0: Yes, today we are starting a new series called Habits. And you might be like, Louis, why are we starting a series on habits now? Because it is a new year. So there's no better time in the year to talk about habits than the beginning of the year. Why? Because we all make New Year's resolutions. And even if you don't do it actively, where you write them down, We do it subconsciously, because every year we have this dream, we've got this hope in our hearts that we will be better than the previous year. It's a new decade, so we hope that this decade is going to be better than the previous decade. It is just the way we work as human beings. And it's great that we make New Year's resolutions, because it shows that we want to change, right? But here's the sad part. Research shows that 80% of New Year's resolutions have already failed by Valentine's Day, by February. So here's the bad thing. You might have said this year, I'm going to eat healthy, I'm going to train more, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to be a better husband, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And if not all of them failed by February, at least 80% of them probably failed, right? And that is why we are starting this series, because it is really hard to change. It is not easy, But change is not impossible, it is not out of reach. If we start with the right small habits, they can have a huge influence in our life and they can topple the biggest block, it can change us forever. Small habits can have a big effect. And if you like, give me an example. Brushing your teeth. That's a small habit, right? You don't think about it. You don't, set your, your, you don't take your phone out and like, oh, yes, tomorrow, 7 o'clock, remember to brush your teeth with three different alarms. No, you just get up, you eat, you brush your teeth, whatever your routine might be, but we all brush our teeth. So like, but what does that small habit have to do with anything big? So imagine you didn't brush your teeth. Last night, you had a nice spinach pizza with a lot of, of garlic on it. You've got a new job interview. It's your dream job. You get to the table. The boss is interviewing you. You sit at the He's sitting at the opposite side. He asks you a question. Every time you speak, his chair moves a little further back you're like, what's wrong with this dude? Like, Why is he moving away? And he's just like, man, if this is what this guy is going to smell like, his breath every morning, like garbage, like, like garlic, like garbage, like garlic, and he's got spinach in his teeth, he's not getting this job. So boom, you just missed your job. You are so sad. You go back home. You think your wife is going to console you. You're so sad and broken, and you're like, you come in for that kiss, and your wife is like a like a Jonah Loma, She just like sidesteps you and ducks, and she doesn't want to kiss you. And there goes your marriage, and everything goes wrong, all because you didn't, brush your teeth. Yeah, that might be a little extreme, right? But you get, the, you get the idea. And I've spoken about this before, where research says something like making your bed every day can actually increase your productivity, because it's a habit, it's a discipline that your body, that puts you in the right mood for the rest of your day. This is not just me saying it, this is what research is showing us. So a small habit can have a huge effect, just like the video you saw. It starts with a small domino, and finally the big one falls over. But there's a, there's a different problem. Not only is it hard to change, but there's a second problem that I think, a mistake that we make when we decide what habits we should start. And that is the fact that we decide what we wanna do before we consider who we want to be. We decide what we want to do before we consider who we want to be. And for luckily, what does that have to do with habits? Imagine a rugby player decided that he's gonna, he wants to improve his rugby, so this year, he's just gonna start a habit of tennis. Imagine like backline that pass that ball and he just slaps it with the right hand right across the net. It's not going to work, right? He has to start the habits in his life that will make him a better rugby player. A tennis player has to start the habits that will make um, that person a better tennis player. With every form of of um, any form of sport, you have to do the right habits that will improve that skill. And sometimes it's not even obvious, right? It it might be something completely random, but we have to start the right habits that will take us to where we want to be. So today, our first topic of this series is who before what. We have to decide who we want to be before we decide what we want to do. And um, we're going to read for for the next couple of weeks from um, the book of Daniel. That's not the only passages we're going to look at, but we're going to read a lot from Daniel because in Daniel, we read about a man who implemented such good habits in his life, little things. But it always came from a place, who rather than just the what. And we're going to read the start of the story of da- Daniel in Daniel 1 from verse 3. If you've got your Bibles, you can open, but I'm going to read from verse 3 to 20, but I'm kind of going to skip some verses in the middle because it's quite long if I read all of it. But um, the Babylonian empire came, destroyed Israel, took a whole bunch of the people, took them to their to their main city, Why? Because if you take the smartest people, if you take the royalty and all of those, and you take their culture, and you take their nationality, and you take the faith away from them, what happens? They influence the rest of the people. There's no rebellions. There's no issues. Every single major civilization in the history of the world has done this. Teach people a different language, take the nationality, take everything away from them, and you don't have issues. So this is literally what's happening here. And Daniel is one of those prisoners of war. So let's read picks out the the cream of the crop. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And then the king assigned to them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Now, a little later, he just offered them food. In verse 8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So by the way, next verses, the the official is then like, okay, if you don't want to eat it, that's fine. But if you show up to the king and you are malnourished and you're tiny and thin and you've got five extra um, ploy because you didn't eat and like all the skin is just like sagging, the king is going to kill me. So Daniel makes a plan, and in verse 12, he gives the the man this answer. He says, test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So if we look bad, you can just like throw us out, kill us. If we look good, then yeah. And then in verse 14, so he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So Now later they have to bring, so this three years of training. Now they have to appear before the king. The king talked with these men and he found none of them equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, hear this, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters, all his advisors, in his whole kingdom. That's what we're going to read. If you were wondering today, our first habit is you have to become a Vegetarian. Not really, I I, I need a piece of meat, man. I can't just eat veggies, I will die. I love my veggies, don't get me wrong, but I need something else. This is not a story about the simple habit that Daniel started. And you will see as we progress. But what happens here is that the king picks young men that has clearly distinguished themselves from everyone else. So even when you read, when he says like these are the characteristics of these young men, they already look different. So they already clearly are wise people who started the right kind of habits that set them on a track of success in their life. But now they have to to be trained further, they are schooled by the Babylonians, they are giving All the benefits you can dream of. Now imagine this for a moment, okay? Daniel is a prisoner of war. If you've ever seen any of the videos, any of the documentaries about refugees across the world, most of them live in horrible situations. Daniel was not a refugee, he's a prisoner of war. Okay, so he probably got the worst of the worst, had horrible food to eat, lived in a tiny little place. The roof was leaking all the time. There was cockroaches and mosquitoes and flies all the time. It was horrible. And now the king comes, and he offers them all these beautiful, sweet things. Most people would grab onto him just like this. Imagine you had to eat moldy bread every day, and suddenly the king is like, here's my table. You can eat anything from this. Most of us, if we had an opportunity like that, would grab onto it with bows at both hands. The food seemed good. But here's the lesson. Not all things that looks good are good for you. Not all things in life that looks good are actually good for you. Then the problem is we don't always see the effect of the little habits we start, the choices we make immediately. So we look at the food, we decide this looks good, I'm going to eat it. And I don't always realize what big domino will topple over at the end of the day. The problem is that we do things... We don't see the immediate effects of, so for example, you do something that's not good. You get home, you're tired, you got a new PlayStation, you decide every evening, you're going to play PlayStation. Your wife is cooking dinner, you're on the PlayStation, like killing every enemy you see, you're having a blast of a time, you get up, she gives you a bit of a look, but it, you know, it's nothing too bad, you go to the table, you eat. So there's no immediate consequence of tomorrow, you play again. You don't come to church one Sunday, and you're like, you know what, God didn't like... Zap me with, with a lightning bolt, so clearly I'm fine. So there's no immediate effects, and I'm not going to come next week. You get a box of chocolates, you just decided with a New Year's resolution you're going to cut out sugar. You get a box of chocolates, you eat it. Guess what? You didn't pick up five kilos. It's so like small decisions, you start to believe a lie, you wrongly conclude that small bad decisions don't matter much. You believe that the food doesn't really matter much, it's a small decision. The same thing for good things in our life. You go to the gym. You go for the first day, you feel a little sore. You're like, okay, this clearly has some good effects. You go the next day and the next day. After the first week, you're not sore anymore. You, didn't, you don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, so you're like, clearly, this doesn't work because it takes quite a time for it to kick in. So you stop going to the gym. You start eating healthy after two weeks. You didn't lose your five kilograms, so you stop eating healthy. You go to church, and after five weeks, you don't feel closer to God, so you decide, you wrongly conclude that small good decisions also do not matter much. So the problem is that in life, we often fall for this wrong belief that the small decisions we make, the little habits we implement, the food that we're going to take from the king's table won't really matter. But here's the thing about life. Life is the sum total of all our small decisions. Life is the sum total of every decision you make every single day. The problem is by the time we realize that we started a habit that's actually bad for us. We started something, we thought thought it's not bad, we continue, it becomes a habit we continue doing. By the time we realize it's bad for us, it's often too late. We struggle to get out of it. You ate sugar for 20 years, how should I cut it out now? I'm so used to it. But what I want to do today is I want to give you a bit of the science behind why we struggle to get out of bad decisions. And I think this is quite important for us, uh, why we struggle to get out of bad habits as well. Why is this important? Because we need to know, if we want to talk about implementing the right stuff in our life and leaving the wrong stuff, we need to know why we struggle to leave the wrong stuff behind. Now, this is basically how it works. Our brain is wired. God made our brain to pay attention to previously pleasing things. So when you, for example, get up one morning, it's Saturday morning, Instagram just started, you open your phone to Instagram, you're in bed, you know it's Saturday, you don't have a lot to do. You look at it, at your last post, suddenly you've got 10 new little hearts. You've got 10 likes. Like, this is good. You enjoy it. So what does your brain do? Your brain releases a hormone called dopamine. It's a feel-good hormone. You feel awesome about it. So what happens? Your brain is wired to pay attention to that thing that was previously pleasing. So tomorrow you open your phone, you go, you see the Instagram logo. There's no reward. You don't even know if someone liked it or didn't like it. But the moment you see the logo, your brain responds to something that was previously pleasing. So you're flooded with dopamine. So it feels good. So you open Instagram again. So tomorrow, the moment you wake up, you think about Instagram, your brain flashes some dopamine. So suddenly, you feel good about it again, you open it, you believe that it is good for you, and you get stuck into, in, in, in that thing. Why? Because if you do it enough times, enough dopamine is released, you create a neural pathway. When I researched this a bit, you know you actually get a neural pathway that they call the reward pathway. It is created in your brain like a little groove in your brain just for things that you're rewarded for by the dopamine. so what happens is that it 's almost like a river if it 's a near river it 's a young river. the ground is flat it can kind of go where it wants. you know if there 's a bit of a flood, it can go this way or it can go this way, but the longer a river flows in the same direction and on the same path, the deeper and deeper it carves out the soil. And so finally the walls are so high that that river cannot change direction anymore. It is trapped by the walls. And that is literally what happens with bad habits and also with good habits. With habits we implement in our life, it seems like a tiny thing, but a wrong habit can release a dopamine because often sin is good when we do it. It feels good to us. It's not good, but it feels good. So our brain releases dopamine, so we keep doing it. It becomes a habit. It creates a neural pathway, and we cannot get out of it. See, a small food decision for Daniel. He knew that it could have released dopamine because the food tastes good, that it could create a neural pathway. And suddenly, he's a man he never wanted to be. And he's stuck In a bad habit. And you're going to see why it's a bad habit in a little while. He's stuck in a bad habit. He cannot get out of it because a neural pathway was created. That's the way life works. You think it doesn't matter. Your small decisions, they do. Was the food actually that bad? No, it wasn't. But the food of many of the heathen nations back then, some of the food would always be offered to their idols, to their gods, and then the rest would be consumed. And the Jews, if if you listened to our race series previously, if you missed our race series, go and catch up on iTunes, Spotify, website, wherever. But we spoke about how God separated the, the Israelites from everyone else on earth because they had to be a perfect people ready to bring Jesus, the perfect vehicles to bring Jesus into this world. So they had a bunch of rules. And one of those rules were that they couldn't eat food that was sacrificed to an idol. So was it that bad? No, there wasn't too much fat. Was it necessarily pork that they weren't allowed to eat? No, but the problem was Daniel decided who he wanted to be, and therefore he decided that he's not going to eat the food, because if he wants to be a man of God in a world that is broken, in a country that doesn't worship God, and he wanted to stand out as a man of God, he wanted to look differently, then he couldn't eat the meat that was sacrificed to another God. So this was not a dire decision. Okay, if you grew up in in some churches where they did the Daniel fast every year, this is where we get it from. But this was not actually Daniel fast. He didn't fast. That's where we get the idea from. But this was not a decision about fasting. This was not a decision about eating this kind of food because you will be stronger after it or something. This was a decision about who he wanted to be. And because of that, he made a decision about what he's going to do. So what I want to say to you today is, With this New Year's resolutions in your mind, before you try to figure out what you should do, what habits you should start, what habits you should try to break, first, we need to figure out who we want to be. Otherwise, we fall for this lie that we can do something small and it doesn't matter. But it's interesting that every choice we make becomes a habit at some point of time habit means it's automatic. That neural pathway, can you imagine when you started, can you remember when you started driving a car and you had to let go of the clutch? Like the car shakes and you almost smash your head against the wheel and your dad like gives you a smack behind the head and he's like, let it go slow. Now you just get in the car, turn the key, like whoop, you, you let go of the clutch. You don't even think about it. It's a neural pathway. It's automatic. Your brain just sends a signal quickly. Every choice becomes a habit. A habit becomes automatic. And finally, this is the problem with habits. They're not only habits. They tend to shape our identity. You can call it the, the identity habit loop. But this is what the devil likes to do. Whenever we fail, the favorite thing the devil likes to do is to tell us that we are a Failure. So when we incorporate a wrong habit into our life, when we do sin, he tells us that I am that sin. So maybe at some point of time you got home, you decided a glass of wine after work before you go to bed is a good thing. And you had your glass of wine, it was good, it became a habit. But then later on it became, you started to drink a little too much. It became a bad habit. You started getting drunk. And now suddenly the devil is gonna say, this is your habit, this is your sin you can't break with, so guess what, you are an alcoholic. So now that becomes your identity. Now my identity is that I'm an alcoholic, so what does an alcoholic do? Alcoholic drinks. So now you start to drink a little more. So you form a new habit of drinking even more, not only before you go to bed, but now I drink at lunchtime. Now Because you drink at lunchtime, you start a new habit. Guess what the devil tells you? It reinforces this habit, your identity of alcoholic. So now I drink more. So do you see the loop? A, A habit becomes an identity, creates another habit that reinforces that identity. So unhealthy identity leads to unwise habits, and healthy identity leads to wise habits. The same thing, if I know who I am in God, I will start a habit that supports it. I will read my Bible every day. I will pray. So now, what's my identity? I'm a child of God. I'm faithful in the little things. So this, my identity gets reinforced, so I start a habit, I start going to church, this habit reinforces my identity. So it is a habit-identity loop. You see, Daniel started with the end in mind. When we read the story, it's so easy to look at all the little habits, and Daniel started quite a bit of them, to to look at all the habits that he started. But Daniel didn't just go into the new year and he's like, I'm going to eat like a vegetarian this year. Daniel started with the big block. He started with the end in mind, and he said, who do I want to be? In a city where it's chaos, where there's murder and rape and a lot of money, and people do all kinds of crazy stuff, and no one believes in God, and people are prisoners, and the cultures are taken away from them. In all of this craziness that we often experience in our country as well, right? A lot, a lot of craziness going around us. It doesn't look like it's a Christian country. It's like in this craziness, my identity is not rooted in my education. My identity is not rooted in the palace, my identity is not rooted in the Food I eat, my identity is rooted in the living God. And because of that, because his identity was rooted in God, he made a decision when it came to something as simple as food. He made a decision to start a habit that would honor God. Because if he ate the food that was offered, To a false god he would have dishonored god so because of his identity rooted in god he made the decision to honor god with his habits and guess what god does when we honor god with our decisions then god honors that decision we honor god with our decisions and god then honors that decision god blesses it so here what happens with daniel Daniel in verse 15 after he said, test us for for ten days. We're gonna eat veggies, we're gonna eat, and we're gonna drink water. That's it, and then test us. Because after ten days, we read in verse 15 that they passed the test. Not only did they pass it, but they were healthier and better nourished than everyone else. I do not believe they were healthier and better nourished because they only had broccoli. I believe he was healthier and better nourished because he made a decision that honored God. He started a habit that honored God. So God honored that habit and God blessed him. And that's why they were healthier and better nourished. Then in verse 19, finally, of the three years of training, they brought before the king. And guess what? Daniel, throughout his life, kept making the loop. So he kept... Implementing habits that honored God, and therefore God honored his habits. So finally, when he's brought before the king, God blesses him. The king could find no one equal to Daniel. He was smarter, he could lay out all the dreams of the king, he was clever, he understood things quickly, he was just different. But they looked at him and they could see something was different about him. And then, in fact, it says in verse 19 at the at the end that in Every decision of wisdom, the king found them 10 times better than the rest. Not just early, you know, Daniel is normally right. The king is like, they're so far ahead, 10 times better. I don't even need to speak to the rest of the guys. That is God blessing the decisions that Daniel made. That when we choose our godly identity above temporary, hasty decisions, When we make the decision to not fall for this little thing because it brings us temporary pleasure, I do not fall for the Instagram thing every morning because it gives me temporary pleasure and some dopamine is released. When I choose to rather spend time with God first thing in the morning because my identity is rooted in Him and not in how many people likes my post. When I find my identity in God, I don't fall for the temporary hasty decisions but I may make God honoring decisions and then God honors those decisions, God honors those habits and he blesses us. If you're sitting here this morning And I don't know how long you've been in church, how long you've been a follower of Jesus. Maybe it's been a long time, maybe it's been a short time. But maybe you sit here this morning and you're like, Louis, I have have been through this process where I try to make God-honoring decisions, where I've tried to implement habits in my life that God will bless, but guess what? I never saw the blessing. So what now? I wanna read you something from Galatians 6. Galatians 6 verse nine. This is what Paul tells the church. He says, let us not become weary in doing good. Let us not become weary in making the right decisions. Let us not grow tired of implementing the right habits, the God-honoring habits in our life. And then he says, "Uh, where am I? For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So what I want to tell you is we don't always see the immediate effect of our decisions, but don't fall for the lie that your small decisions doesn't matter much. They do matter. But what do we do? He says, let's not grow tired. So if your identity is rooted in Jesus and you decide to start the right habit, he's like, at first you might not see a harvest. So you do it again, and you might still not see a harvest, so you do it again, and then you might see a little thing, but you do not grow tired. You do that habit again, you do it again till it's in your old pathway, Till finally you reap the harvest just as Daniel did three years later. Another way to look at it is, and as he says, if we persevere, if we do not give up, if we do this, at the proper time we will reap a harvest. So this is another way to think about what I just said. We start with the end in mind. What harvest do you want to see in your life? And then you decide what seeds you should sow. You cannot want to see a harvest of corn, but then you go and sow soya beans. It doesn't work that way. You cannot want to see a harvest of peaches, cling peaches, but then you plant a grapevine. It doesn't work that way. If we want to see grapes, you need to plant a grapevine. If you want to see peaches, you need to plant an orchard of peaches. If you want to see millies, you need to plant millies. That is a simple way life works. So we start with the end in mind. With our identity in God, who do I want to be? And once I figure out who I want to be, I know what seed I should sow what habits I should start. Because once once you know who you want to be, that's when we will start working. Once you start with the end in mind, that's when we will start working on what habits we should start and what habits we should drop. And we're going to start talking about that in the next um, two weeks. We will look at some habits we have to start, some habits we have to leave. But if you cannot understand this today. If you do not start with who you want to be in 2020, if you do not start with who you want to be in this new decade, all your habits might be the wrong ones. And it might lead you to become a man or a woman you never wanted to be. So I want to challenge you for this week. Maybe take your phone out. Sometimes that's a good function. And go and pick a time and a date now and set a reminder. Because I'm going to give you homework and next week you're going to show up and you're going to be, oh shucks, I never did it. So this is like school where I give you some homework, but it's good homework. Find a time. Maybe if you listen to our rest series, maybe today's your rest day. It's a good day to do this kind of homework because it's not really homework. You go and you find a spot, maybe somewhere in the week at lunchtime. Maybe you're going hiking this week and you're like on the mountain, I'll be quiet. But you find a quiet moment. You take a piece of paper and you go and sit and you talk with God and you pray through it. You decide and you listen to God, what he says, who you want to be in 2020, who you want to be in this new decade. And write that down. And if you join us on Wednesday at the community groups, you bring that along. Because at our community groups, that's where we grow. So we bring it along and we talk about how we can apply this to our If you haven't signed up, go and sign up afterwards, outside. But bring that along, so that we can start talking about who we want to be. But we have to start with the end in mind, otherwise everything we're going to say about habits won't Matter If we do not know who we want to be in Jesus Christ, let's pray. Jesus, I want to be, I want to be a follower of Jesus that's so passionate about you that it just pours out, out, of, out of my life. I want to be so on fire for Jesus that anyone who comes close to me will catch on fire as well. I want to be a father, and I want to be a husband to my wife and to my daughter, and I want to love them the way Jesus loved his church. I want to find my identity in you, and not in comparison, not in what I do for a living, not in my achievements, not in my friends. I want to find it in you. And I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that you will show us who you created us to be. That we would have such a clear image of, with the end in mind, that we will so clearly see who you want us to be. That we will easily start the habits that will lead there. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.